Welcome to this week's sermon from Spark. We are a community who believes we are deeply loved by God and seek to welcome, support, love, and serve every person we meet. We hope this message has something for you today. So we're continuing this morning in our series on water. And so I'm curious if any of you have ever had this experience of maybe you're at school and you're in PE and you're outside and you're playing on a field somewhere, right? And the sun is just beating down on you and you're running around maybe playing soccer or basketball or some other game, tag with your friends. And you start to get that like dry, scratchy feeling in your throat, you know? And you start to really feel the heat and then you're like, man, all that I really want right now is a nice, cool, crisp drink of water, right? And so you maybe go to your teacher because you're at school and you say, hey, can I go in the gym and get some water? And you go into the gymnasium and you run up to the water fountain and you go to take a drink of water and out comes mediocrely warm, penny-tasting water, right? But you're thirsty because you've been outside in the sun all day, so you like drink it, but then afterwards you're just like, that was not at all the satisfying thing that I was imagining while I was out on the field. And am I the only one that's had that kind of experience, especially with water fountains at school? They taste like pennies. I don't know why that's like a thing. It's like a built-in flavor at schools. So we all have maybe some preferences for the kind of water that we like to drink, especially um, after we've been outside and we're really thirsty. For me, I like cool water, not so cold that it's almost half frozen and when you drink it really fast, it makes your brain hurt, um, but like cool water. And I prefer my water to not taste like metal, right? Like that's kind of a base level expectation or limestone or chlorine. Around here, our water tastes a lot like chlorine. Um, and I know some of you all might have a preference of like tap water versus filtered water versus bottled water. Anybody? Is this true? Yeah. We have our preferences for water. And, but there are some people in this world that don't really care about, you know, all those particular things. They just want a sip of water. And so we're going to need to put the slides up because I left the iPad back there. Um, so one of the people, it's not a person that I know that has zero cares about where water comes from is my dog, Luna. Um, Luna will drink whatever stagnant puddle has been sitting there for three days. She has, yes, a couple of times drank water out of the toilet. She will drink or lick the water off of the shower curtain, like when you get out of the shower. This morning, even when I took her on a walk, we were walking past a neighbor who was draining their pool because we've had so much rain and the pool was going to overflow. So they're draining the pool and she had to stop and sip some water out of the hose, which was pool water, like chlorine water on our walk. So she has zero cares about her preferences for water. And so not that everybody is quite like Luna, right? I hope that we have some standards, but some of us just don't really have the same level of, of taste when it comes to water. And so I wanted to ask you all today um, and see if some of you can taste the difference between purified water and spring water, because we all know that spring water is the far superior type of water to consume, right? And so I'm gonna need a few volunteers to come and to be taste testers for me. So if I could have a Rose, a Mark, a, are you, a Caitlin? 
a Dylan, how many is that? One, two, three, four, and a Bentley. Come on up, and will you come help me? We're going to shift this, so take a step that way, because I'm going to have, we're going to very carefully, without spilling all the water, bring this here so the cameras can see it. Okay, so what I need you to do is, actually, we're going to shift this a little bit. Come behind the table, line up behind the table, but I need some space to scooch. All right, so we're going to line up behind the table and behind two cups of water. So Bentley, take a scooch, 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 right here. These are your cups. Mark, those are your cups. Caitlin, these are your cups. Okay, so what we have here is... Nestle Pure Life, purified water. This is not an advertisement. And Zephyr Hills spring water. So in front of you, you have two cups. On the front of them, you should see one that says like A and one that says B. So that way you can tell the difference when you're telling me. So what you're gonna do is sip your waters. And I want you to tell me which one is the spring water, which one is the Zephyr Hills. Now, it's not the same for everyone. So if Dylan says it's one of them, then so-and-so down here might have it in a different cup. What is that in the cup? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can already tell. It's a very clean cup. It's brand new out of a package this morning. Can I just take both? Yeah, sip both of them, but then find out which one is which. All right, does anyone have their answer? Yeah. All right, so we're going to go down the line. Dylan, which one is the spring water? You are correct. B is the spring water. Which one is your spring water? A, you are incorrect. That is purified water. Mark. B, I can already taste the difference. That's spring water? B. B is spring water? Yeah. You are incorrect. A is your spring water. Bentley, which one is your spring water? A. You are incorrect. And Rose. That is correct. So Dylan and Rose were able to, add, to, to test the spring quality. You may take your cups of water if you'd like and go back to your seat. Spring versus purified. So we're gonna talk about a story today where someone is a little confused about what Jesus means when he's talking about some water. And so we're gonna put up the, the scripture passage today. This is from the book of Luke chapter four, and this is one of my favorite stories of all time. We can preach like five different sermons about this if we really want to, probably more than five, like 25. Um, and we're gonna, I want you to focus on the parts where we're talking about water. So pay attention to where water appears in the story. Jesus learned that the Pharisees that had heard that he was making more disciples and baptizing more than John, and he's talking about John the Baptist, although Jesus' disciples were baptizing, not Jesus himself. And therefore, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. Jesus had to go through Samaria. That's important. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Because Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. 
Jesus responded, if you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you life-giving water, or living water, excuse me. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't, aren't, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go and get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband and you are right, and you are right to say, I don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You have five hus- had five husbands and the man you are with now isn't your husband. You have spoken the truth. The woman said, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, believe me, the time is coming when you and your people will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time was coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father looks to those who worship in him in this way. The God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. So Jesus has this conversation with a Samaritan woman. And there's a few things that are important before we talk about water. One, you hear and see in the scripture that Jewish people and Samaritan people did not get along. So much so that when Jewish people were traveling, they would go around Samaria, even though it meant that they usually had to go a much farther distance. They would avoid going through the land of the Samaritans. And the reason why they didn't get along was because they had differences of opinion of where they should worship God and where the true place of worship should be. The Jews thought in Jerusalem in the temple, and the Samaritans thought that they should worship God on a mountain. And both of these locations were important. Important things had happened there with God, but they could not agree to the point that they wouldn't talk to each other wouldn't get, wouldn't, and the other group thought the other one was terrible and all kinds of things. So the fact that Jew, Jesus literally walks into Samaria as a Jewish man is a big deal. It would have made people go like, what you doing here, Jesus? And then he goes to a well and he starts speaking with a woman, which would have been another thing that absolutely wouldn't have happened that they, like men and women didn't talk in public with each other, right? So that's why then the disciples come back and they find Jesus talking to this woman. They're like, why, what, what are you doing, Jesus, right? So Jesus is having this conversation with her. And when he asks her for a drink of water, that's why her response is like, why are you asking for water from me? Because not only do Jews and Samaritans don't talk, but men and women don't talk. 
So this is really surprising. And then when Jesus responds to her, he says, well, if you knew who I was, you would know that I could give you living water. And so here's where the confusion sets in, is the woman has one idea of what living water is, and Jesus has another idea of what living water is. And that's because when the woman's talking about living water, she's thinking that Jesus is basically sharing his preference for water. Like, I, would, I could offer you living water, which would have been like spring water or water that flowed from a stream. Living water was moving water. And you know, if you have the preference, would you drink water out of a well that's been sitting there for a while? Or would you drink water out of the free-flowing stream? That would have been a preference, right? That we would rather drink the living water that's coming out of the stream. And so she's like confused because Jesus is like, well, if you had asked me for water, I'd give you living water. And she's like, but you asked me for water because you don't even have a bucket, Jesus. Um, And so she's really confused by this whole conversation, right? Because she has in her mind that living water means river water or spring water. But we know when we're reading this that Jesus was actually talking about life-giving water and the type of water that happens and is used in baptism. It's more of a symbolic understanding of living water, water that transforms and changes us and sustains us, water that God uses to help us. And so that's where this whole conversation is kind of happening is the woman is thinking about, we're talking about spring water, and Jesus is talking about this more kind of metaphorical understanding of living water. And so they keep on in their conversation, and Jesus tells her, if you'd had this living water that I could give you, then you would never be thirsty again. And the woman's like, well, that sounds fantastic, that I don't have to come and walk a long distance to this well in the heat of the day and bring my bucket and scoop up some water to take it home to have to drink. That would be amazing that I don't have to come back to the well every day to get water. And so she says to Jesus, yes, I would love some of this living water that you're talking about where I don't have to come and that I don't have to feel thirsty again. And then they kind of continue in their conversation. And we see this part where we have sometimes judged this woman based on the next part of information, but there are a lot of biblical scholars and important people that have done a lot of research where it's been us that have judged the woman, Jesus doesn't judge the woman, where that, there's that conversation about like, go get your husband and bring him and then we can have life-giving water together. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband right now. And he's like, yes, you've had five husbands. And everybody usually hears that and is like, <gasps> like she's this most sinful woman, right? Well, Jesus doesn't say that to then like scold her or to tell her that she needs to change her ways. What Jesus is doing is bringing to light maybe something that's really painful about the woman's life something that she's struggling with or going through. Because likely is, the reason she's had many husbands is because people didn't live super long back then, right? So many of them could have died. There was this practice of if your husband died, then you would end up marrying his brother or someone else in his family so you can continue the family line. I saw some faces. Yes, it's strange, but it was a long time ago. There was like some other reasons why. And also at the time, women weren't allowed to be the ones to say that they wanted divorce. Men did that. So we all know if we think about all of those things that this woman has experienced a lot of pain. And Jesus kind of says like, hey, I know the source of your pain. I know what's going on in your life. 
And he doesn't use it to judge her. He doesn't use it against her. He uses it it to tell her that he knows her and knows what's going on. And so then they keep having this conversation and she kind of brings up the whole dispute between where they should worship and Jesus is kind of like, yeah, that's not gonna be important in the end. Um, And then they get to the point where there's this conversation about she knows that there's a Messiah who's coming. And Jesus tells her, I'm the one that you've been waiting for. That's me. So Jesus tells the Samaritan woman who thinks differently than Jewish people that he's the Messiah. And then his disciples appear all of a sudden. They've come back from Publix with their food and they're ready for lunch. And and the woman leaves. She flees. But then there's a verse there that I hadn't really paid much attention to. I've read this story many times. But there's a verse there, and we're gonna put it on the screen. It says, then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, why would the writer leave that bit of detail there? That she left her water jar and went into the city. When I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, the thing that Jesus said is already starting to come true because he said, if I give you living water, then you're not gonna be thirsty again because God is providing for you and sustaining you. So this woman's interaction with Jesus, her encounter with Jesus changes her so she's no longer concerned about gathering her water at the well. She's more concerned about telling other people all about this man who knows her, who she thinks may in fact be the Messiah they've all been waiting for. She leaves the water jar, no longer concerned about being thirsty. Gotta go tell people about Jesus, right? And then it says that people came back to see him because she ran through the town saying, come and see the one who knows me. And that doesn't mean that she's never gonna drink water again. But you see the point, right? That that no longer becomes the priority. And so for us, This life-giving water that Jesus is talking about is water that sustains us. It means, it's like a metaphor that we no longer are desperate for things because Christ provides for us, sustains us by bringing us peace, by bringing us hope, by reminding us that we're not alone. Whatever the thing is that we are thirsty or in need of, that Jesus provides for that and that Jesus has that to offer for us, even today. And so for us today, I know that you all spend time at the pool almost every day this summer. And so when you're in the pool, I wonder if you would spend a second thinking about how the water all around you, it kind of makes you feel lighter, right? Like when you're in a pool, you kind of like float a little bit. And so you feel like you can move easier except for if you're trying to run or something. But like, you know what I'm saying. You can kind of float, you're, you feel light when you're in the water. Especially if you're in the ocean with the salty water, it makes you feel really light and you float. And that's the same kind of way that God holds us. That those things that normally would weigh us down, when we know that God's presence was with us when that life-giving water is within us, then it makes the things that we're experiencing feel lighter. We know that we're not alone. And also, it can be when you're in a pool and you're just floating and you're able to kind of let go a little bit and relax in the water, it brings us this peace and this calm. 
And Jesus' life-giving water offers us that too. I know a couple weeks ago, someone shared about how they know that God's presence is with them when they feel peace in the middle of really stressful situations. And then finally, Jesus' life-giving water, that provision, that nourishment, is like if we were outside playing in the schoolyard and we were really thirsty and we go back into the water fountain, that the water that comes out is actually cool and crisp and exactly how you imagined it would be. And you know that really satisfying feeling that you get when you finally get that really cool, nice drink of water after you've been outside on a hot day. That's the kind of peace and fulfillment and satisfaction that God has to offer us through this life-giving water. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, I give thanks for each person that's present here in this room today and the ways that you have sustained them, that you've held them up in difficult times. And God, I pray for any person in this room today who feels um, that kind of desperation that we experience when we feel thirsty, where we really need something to ease our pain. So I pray, God, that you would pour your life-giving water out over all of us here, that we would feel nourished and sustained and at peace so that we can continue to shine your light and your love to the world who so desperately needs it. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, follow the link in the description below. Peace be with you. And